Hey everybody, this is Mel. And this is Jill. And this is Mel and Jill Geek Out. Happy New Year, Jill! Happy New Year! first episode of 2024 i can't believe that we're here in 2024 can you uh no i feel like 2023 was both the longest and shortest year of my life i concur it it really (laughs) surprised me my mark and i were talking about it not that long ago and really i was like does does life go by faster as you get older? Because I feel like I have just blinked and five years have gone by and I can't, it's crazy. Yeah, seriously. Like it's been a, like 2023 was a very fast year. Like it doesn't feel like we went to the heiress tour almost a year ago. That's crazy. That's crazy. Crazy. Mark and I met on Tinder Five years ago. Oh, <laughs> so I mean, it's. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> I remember you telling me about. Oh, I met this guy. I did. I did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I lucked out. I really you did. did. I mean, we both did because I also met John online. I met him on OK Cupid, which I don't even know. If- still a thing anymore i'm impressed that was one that i never really did get get into yeah i got real lucky but now dating seems scary now oh i'm so glad to be off the market thank you john for putting a ring on it uh no thank you i have a girlfriend who's single and our trainer is single and i hear about the dating stories and apparently facebook has a dating service now yeah no <laughs> i don't know if i'd want to i don't i don't know i don't think i would want to know <laughs> no thanks i think if i like was still single if i hadn't met john i just would give up <laughs> and be alone <laughs> yeah it was a little tough dating and back in my hometown i really mm-hmm. lucked out meeting a british dude here in the tiny 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 town that i live in in florida so you i don't know how you accomplished that john i mean to be fair john had just gotten home from deployment so yeah if i had arrived any other time and then you may not have the opposite either. because you were in a huge ass city so mm-hmm. statistics it's crazy yeah so we have some it housekeeping items. I'm going to like we dive into the we episode. Do. We do. So Do you want to explain to everyone why we didn't have a Grinch episode? Yeah. That's my fault, everyone. I got COVID. So I did watch the movie. We did watch the movie in prep. And then mm. I woke up one morning and felt like I had been hit by a semi-truck. Um, mm-hmm. So it's I'm still not quite over it i mean i'm way better than i was but it's taken a little bit i was real tired yeah how dare you get sick i know 
I mean, to be fair, though, like having COVID over Christmas really kind of sucked. It it was not fun. I I usually make a shitload of cookies and give them out to friends and family. And I made the ones out to family before I like came down with it. But I did not make any more afterwards. So I still owe people some cookies. So it wasn't the best. But, you know. And uh, so then I guess you can tell everybody why we're not going to be doing a Sister Wives episode today. Uh, Yeah, that is because Max has decided or like TLC producers, whatever, have decided to not put the lookbacks and talkbacks on Max or Discovery Plus until, quote, the season is over whatever the fuck that means so we literally have no ability to watch it unless we like pirated off the internet so we've seen clips it's not great yeah i've definitely watched on like mrs kickstand or danielle the realtor um Mm -hmm. clips and and episodes that they have posted and um yeah but i'm not i'm not getting i even i have youtube tv and I even tried mm-hmm. to get it on YouTube TV and I went to and I was like, oh, it'll have recorded because I have it added to my library. No, all the tell alls are there, but none of the fucking look backs. I can watch it, but I can't record it. And I'm not ever around. So it's like <laughs> who yeah. watches live television? No one. No one. And this just makes those ads that like Janelle and Mary and Christine did like randomly right before the it last tell telling people to set their dvrs now it makes more sense because it wasn't going to be available to stream now anywhere which is so annoying as we discussed this morning you and i both feel is a huge mistake on tlc's oh, part yeah come on I'm a, asinine uh, why would you intentionally exclude a large chunk of your audience yeah, there's got to be a ton of people like you and me who watch it only on Discovery Plus or on Max. Yeah. Which piece, I still hate the name of that. It just doesn't come out of your mouth nicely, but whatever. I still call it HBO. So. Yeah. But like, there's got to be a better way. Like, also, when when is the end of the season after the special for Christine's wedding? I don't. Because in know. my opinion, the season is over. Agreed. If you air all the t- this, either the season is over because you aired the tell-all episodes or the one-on-one interviews, as they're calling them. Is that yeah. okay? So is this not part of the season then? Then why is the season not? It's so confusing and stupid. Like so. In other words, we're mad at TLC. Yeah. Huge. Huge we're mad. mistake. We're mad. Big mistake huge yes anyways so uh, but in more exciting housekeeping news we obviously are starting my favorite book of the akatar series today but we also have some really exciting content coming up we are going to cover we have a couple of movies that we're throwing around of what we want to cover first we'll probably end up covering all of them with the second Dune movie coming out. We've talked about doing an episode on the first part of Dune to prep for that. Uh, there is a new film on Netflix called May December, which is very loosely based around the Mary Kay Letourneau case. 
that we may cover. And there's a few other ones that we've tossed around yeah. to talk about. So you might be seeing one of those here soon, too. Yes. Um, and then, of course, Vanderpump Rules starts this month. Yes. <laughs> yes. I can't wait. And it's funny. Stevie actually texted me earlier today because her and her fiance are have rewatched and they have hit Scandaval. So she's she's re-recording. I I think maybe we could ask Stevie and maybe even the fiance Jay to join yeah. us and chat about uh, some Vanderpump Rules coming up. And then, um, by the way, the sneak peeks look really good i can't wait and then sheena shay with her ridiculous self boo-hooing over all the ridiculousness i i don't know what's going on with her i can't tell if she is i I don't think she switched sides but like very clearly there were some conversations between her and ariana and Oh, it's going to be big. And I also think we're going to have another guest for those as well as my cousin Kat, who you may have heard on the last episode of the year. Or was it? Yeah. 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 We talked about Kat. We did. So. So. And then also. Lots of fun stuff. After Vanderpump Rules or well, like probably coinciding with Vanderpump Rules, we're going to have Iron Flame, which is the sequel to Fourth Wing. And we have. Yeah. So now that I have moved, I can finish my annotated second read and we can actually cover the book. I'm so sorry, guys. We would have covered this sooner. But A, we wanted to give time for people to read the book and. You know, we've discovered that Rebecca Yaros loves a good cliffhanger, loves a good plot twist moment. So definitely want to make sure that there's space for that, even though it will have heavy spoiler warnings on it. But also, I physically moved and all of my books were packed. So I had to, like, get my stuff. Yes, she's still unpacking. So we're... we're I'm still unpacking. Yeah, she's definitely in the midst of it. But it's funny that you say that, that you gave, that we we did. We intentionally left time to give people to read. But I actually got a text message today from the group that I went to the midnight premiere of the book with. I think the last one finished the book today. Oh, see? Perfect timing. Oh, she wasn't happy at all. She wasn't happy? No. She, I mean, she it said, is a pretty intense end. She said she was pissed with the ending. She's done with the book. And then, oh yeah, she was angry. And then about 20 minutes later, came back and was like, I'm gonna read the book because I need to know what happens. But I'm like, not happy about it. So. I don't... I mean, obviously it's fiction. There is a reason, I'm sure, why this all happened. I have... When we get there, I have so many theories. So many. And then... So many theories. And then also coming up, I mean, I don't know where exactly this is going to fit in the calendars, but you guys can just start watching now. Um, Drive to Survive will be coming Mm -hmm. out, I think, I want to say February. Yeah, I think it's February. And then Formula One season kicks off, like, I believe late February, early March. So um, we're going to cover a little bit of the Formula One season sprinkled in, not a weekly episode because it's 
There's a lot of races. But we've thrown around the idea of some some fantasy league among the book group ladies or the podcast ladies. So I think this will be a lot of fun. I think this is going to be a good year for some geek outs. Yeah, I'm really excited for Drive to Survive and to join a fantasy league. I'm already brainstorming team names. Right now, top pick is Gunther's Bitches. (laughs) I think you should come up with like an alliteration, like another G word. Another G? Well, I'll think about it. it. We'll work on it. Because I, there's a shirt on Etsy in like when I've not recently just spent a lot of money on a house that I still have to like, I moved in from a normal sized house to wood to a larger house. Like the size of house, honestly, we should have bought in the first place because we have a lot of stuff, but like we have minimal furniture in here. Yeah. Minimal. Like I had to buy a dining table. Because there's a chandelier in the breakfast nook. And keep walking into. Yep. Yeah. I did. We did that. I don't know why. You know it's there. You just walk right into it. You just walk right into it. Yeah. That's why. That's partially why we got rid of the chandelier and ended up with a hole in our laundry room. So that's a story for another podcast. Uh, Anyway. So do I you think wanna... that is all of the housekeeping items. Yeah. Do you do you want to get into it? Are you ready? Are you so ready? I'm so ready. I'm so ready. Okay. We are going to talk about A Court of Silver Flame by Sarah J. Mass. This was originally published in February 2021. And this is your warning. If you have not read this book, go Probably read should. it. Yeah. And come back because we are going to talk spoilers, a lot of spoilers and a lot happens. This is like an over 900 page book. It's the longest book in the Akatar series currently. It's a lot of stuff happens. Arguably the best book in the series in my opinion. I agree. I think it is a toss up. I think it just kind of depends if you like the journey that Feyre makes in Akamath more or I'm sorry, that was my dog shaking. Or the journey that Nesta makes in this book. Who, Whichever character you identify with more, either Akamath or this is going to be your favorite. This, this is it. This is my this, favorite I, book in this series, hands down. I, yeah, same. I could read this on repeat. I love this story. I love the character development. I'm a Cassian girly. What can I say? I can't wait. Like, there was a TikTok that I sent you well before this book. And it was about a relationship that we are going to learn about. I'm like, I want to say it, but I can't because it kind of gives it away. But I was like so excited and proud of myself that I picked up on this tempo between these two, you know? It's really obvious in reading Akabor. The bonus chapter for Akasith and Frost and Starlight, it's very obvious what's going on between these two. It's like, ooh, yeah. Okay, let's get into it. So chapter one, part, part one. Part one, novice. 
And we're going to open with chapter one. And it's with Cassian. And he has been sent to go collect Nesta from her little rundown apartment. And uh, we learn through his like internal mile, like dialogue that he knows that she has been uh, sleeping around with a lot of random people, living the life of debauchery. Um, since the end of Aqua Wars, this we saw a little bit in the, of this in Frost and Starlight, but it has not gotten any better since Winter Stolsis, and it has been like six months since then. She's going on a real self-destructive path at the moment. She, she, if she was not in Valaris and she was in like the real world, she would be a drug addict. She'd be like taking yeah. heroin. She'd be in a real bad place. Yeah. Real bad. Instead, she is sleeping around. Drinking. Drinking a lot. Big old bills. And dancing in nightclubs with good music. So. Yep. She's a little bit of hobag. Having a time. She's in her thought era. So. Cassian picks her up and he takes her to what we will now call the River House, which is the estate that Reese gives Feyre at the end of Frost and Starlight that she is now building into a big home for all of them. Everybody has their own room. It's big and beautiful. Like she's even offered Nesta a room to decorate there. Nesta told her to go fuck herself because Nesta's not in a great place. So they get there and Feyre, Resand, and the rest of the inner circle are kind of staging like an intervention. Yeah. They're like, hey, knock it off. Cause she like the night before spent like an astronomical amount of money mm-hmm. at a bar. Like a, yeah. an embarrassingly large amount of money at a bar. Yeah. So they give her a couple of options because they're real over her shit at this point. She can either move into the House of Wind, which is the house up on the mountain, and start training with Cassian and work in the library under the House of Wind, or she can move back to the human lands where everyone will hate her because she is Faye. So I think we know what she takes. Well, I mean, she doesn't really take anything. Pretty begrudgingly. Yeah. There wasn't much of a choice. Like, she really had to. Yeah. Well, a quote that I want to bring up from this chapter, and this is from when she's, like, chilling in her little trashy apartment, is she says this to herself. She goes... Her father, the man who never fought for his children, not until the end, when he had come to save them, to save the humans and the fae, yes, but most of all his daughters, her, a grand, stupid waste. And, ugh. Well, I think it's very clear how Nesta feels about herself right here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She thinks she's a waste. And... He didn't, shouldn't have done that, which obviously any child is going to feel that way about their parents sacrificing themselves, I would think. Mm-hmm. And 
But I also kind of get where she's coming from because she's not wrong. Her dad didn't do anything until the very fucking end. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was a waste, but I think she nailed the first part. I think Papa Archeron dying in the way that he did at the end of Akawar really is a great demonstration of you really don't know how much time you have left with someone. And I think when they, you know, when Feyre first leaves and goes to Prithian with Tamlin and he ends up like supporting them, I think she, you know, when, when he like gives them all of the money and stuff like that, I think he like takes that and like reestablishes a good life for them. But then what little we learn from Lucian and from Vasa about what Papa Arturon did, because he like left in Akamath and was MIA until the very end of Akawar. Oh yeah. He peaced out he, a while ago. Yeah, he was gone for a long time. And he but what we learned was that he went to like this meeting with the queens and he snuffed out that they were doing some shady shit because P.S. they still are. And he went and found Vasa, made a deal with Kochi. I still, it's not a secret. It's Kochi. <laughs> and got Vasa kind of like a early release program a little bit to come help. And he comes back, and I think if he had lived through that war, we would have seen better reconciliation and him taking accountability for his actions and probably mending this bridge. But because he died, you don't get any of that. That that character development ends. Mm-hmm. And you're absolutely mm-hmm. correct. And it profoundly affects Nesta and you're just seeing the very very beginning of it here but Mm -hmm. I think just to be fair any a loss of any parent I think is going to be a profound loss on anyone and Mm -hmm. that is including people who don't have parents Mm -hmm. that that is a profound loss that you feel in a way that you can't explain it's in your dna it changes mm-hmm. you so 100 percent. yeah so that brings us into chapter two um they're still at the river house and during the confrontation uh cassia notices that there's like a shield around Feyre, but it's like suction cupped around her like it's not like a big box that she's in but it's like form fitted to her it's like she's wearing a like morph extra. suit that is a shield on her yeah. body. And he equates this to being because Nessa's powers and her lack of control of them and sort of the unknown magnitude of them. They don't really know. Yeah. No one's, everybody knows she has some kind of power. No one really knows anything beyond that. So Nesta then asks to talk to Feyre privately. 
And so Fair's like, okay. Uh, she doesn't like having the inner circle kind of knowing what she, you know, what would be colloquially known as like family business, a.k.a. her being batshit crazy and being very self-destructive right now. Mm-hmm. And she's like, no, I'm not going to train with Cassie in an Illyrian camp. I'm not doing this. But Feyre's not going to compromise with her. She's like, no, these are the stipulations. You live at the House of Wind. You train with Cassian at the Illyrian camp. And you work in the library. I think... Those are the stipulations. This is Feyre kind of doing what she always did. And taking Mm -hmm. care of everybody. Nessa Mm -hmm. does not see that right now. But Feyre is very much stepping in and kind of like you can't take care of yourself anymore so i'm gonna make sure that that happens Mm -hmm. and she is in the position to do so because i don't think that before that that would have happened so she's she had and that's kind of i'm happy in this instance because what if she hadn't been obviously I still it sounds silly because it's a book, but like what if she hadn't been, you know? Mm-hmm. So Yeah, what if she wasn't High Lady of the Night Court and could essentially command these things to happen? Yeah. Exactly. Nessa could have just been like, go pound sand and did whatever yeah. she wanted. So And ended up being essentially desolate. On top of that, you know, we see a little bit of Nesta feeling kind of abandoned by Elaine because Elaine's not at this. Oh, I don't. She does think not participate. I don't think she feels kind of abandoned. I think she feels very, very abandoned, like by everyone, not just Elaine. I, yeah, she's. I know she's, she's a little attacked. Yes, I know she says Elaine, but then, you know, the whole fight with Amran and like mm-hmm. no, neither of them are saying shit and she's not even thinking it. So you even as a reader still you're like, what the fuck happened? And you don't know. So yeah, we don't know about what this fight was because it didn't happen in Frost and Starlight. They were fine in Frost and Starlight. And something has happened now between her and Amberin, and that I would say is Nesta's closest friend outside of her sisters right now. I would argue she was probably closer with Amberin than than the sisters. Oh, a hundred percent. I this right here. I I identify. I, like I think I said this in one of the last episodes. I identified with her so much. I struggled with depression as a teenager very badly to the point where I almost didn't graduate high school, which a lot of people who I went to high school may not know that they I'm sure have heard rumors and there was lots of stuff floating around, but I did. I struggled with depression very, very badly. And so kind of this self-hatred that she describes that is probably the closest description. Like the way she views herself as this like monster on the inside, very much I identified with her from the very beginning of this book. 
Yeah. Just, yeah. This I, chapter right here specifically, feeling abandoned and alone. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. I kind of was in a little bit, my identifying with Nesta comes from a slightly different place. It's this place of feeling very unworthy and unwanted. Um, that's just very much how I felt growing up as, you know, it sounds crazy, but like as a, the youngest of my family, I felt like I wasn't, I felt like I might, might've had like middle child syndrome yeah. a little bit because I didn't have like those traditional, like, like my parents didn't dote on me by any means. I had very, I love my parents if they're listening to this, sorry for the critique, but like they were very overprotective of me for I don't know what reason because I was a very responsible kid like I got really good grades I studied really hard like I did everything I was supposed to do Mm -hmm. and yet I never was given any leniency or opportunity to explore my youth in kind of a safe way Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to do anything crazy. I just wanted to spend time with my friends. Like, I just wanted to, like, connect with my peers. But it created this, like, cycle of, like, well, I'm not allowed to do anything. And that's, like, it's complicated. Yeah. No need to dive into therapy. But, yeah, it was her feeling of unworthiness and that side of her hatred for herself very much I, I identified with. I get that, too. Like I, I'm not. I don't want to be like one of those like people who are like, oh, me too, me too. But lit, I same. Um, mm-hmm. Mine comes from a different place. Like I'm adopted, which, like I'm. I don't know. I'm, I'm positive my dad doesn't listen to this, and I'm pretty sure that my biological parents don't listen to this. But you know, like I was adopted as an infant. Um, I spent a couple months in or. Not months, excuse me. I was a couple months old when I was adopted. I spent like I think maybe a week or two in foster care at most, um, and it was like a very smooth adoption. I had wonderful parents growing up, but that does not take away like having a good family and being in a good area and going to a good school and all of those things like doesn't prevent you from like in the back of your mind, knowing that you were given up. It doesn't matter what the reason was. It doesn't matter if that was probably the best thing for you. You still were it like it. You're like, what was wrong with me? Why didn't they like want to keep me? So I totally get it. And I still struggle with that to this day. And I do what Nesta does is push people away. It's like, I'll do it by Mm -hmm. myself. I don't need you. I can do it by myself. So, totally. <laughs> I can, like, I think that's why you and I both love this book so much. Yeah. We so get yeah. it. Yeah. Um, it, it's just it's everything I have personally had to struggle and deal with. And we will get to the scene that's going to probably make me, like, ball my eyes out. But we are several chapters away from that. So, we're going to keep going. Um, all right. Another quote. I really wanted to bring up here. I'm sorry. These first few chapters, I like, they really punch you in the gut a yeah. few times. Was 
at one point Nessa says, everything in her life from the moment she was born had been controlled by other people. Things happened to her. Anytime she tried to exert control, she had been thwarted at every turn. She hated that even that she hated that even more than the king of Highburn. And I oh, right in the gut. A hundred percent that is how I felt growing I up. I can see that like so crystal clear with what you just described. Absolutely. That makes perfect sense. I can mm-hmm. yeah. I mean it's a great quote. It speaks to me too, but like mm-hmm. I can totally see. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Uh, it's gonna be a heavy one guys sorry it's not our fault sarah J. mass put all the feelings in this book <laughs> that's okay you and i both know that i'll make it awkward or say something <laughs> stupid at some point to make people laugh so oh don't worry if we can get to the end of this first part in this episode which I, I don't think we're going to get that far. We might, but I don't think so. Uh, we have some fun stuff to talk about, too. So. <laughs> All right. So then we go into chapter three. While Nesta and Vera are having their conversation, Cassian is sidebarring with Reese. And he recalls what the bone carver said about Nesta when he and Vera went to see the bone carver. And just to remind everyone, this is what was said. What if I tell you what the rock and darkness and sea beyond whispered to me, Lord of bloodshed, how they shuddered in fear on the island across the sea, how they trembled when she emerged. She took something, something precious. She ripped it out with her teeth. What is it? so yeah so we know that she took something from the cauldron when it quote m with a capital m made her and i also want to talk about this this theory i've been cooking up in my head as because i've actually been like re-listening to these books on the dramatic audio and i just I want to talk about something that's kind of related to Cassian and kind of ties into this Lord of Bloodshed title that the Bone Carver gives him. We don't know Cassian's father. We don't know who he is. We know his mother was killed and he was a bastard-born son. We know that Asriel is a bastard son of a lord, like a high-ranking... Illyrian lord. So are you implying that Cassian is also the bastard of a lord? Yeah, because there's just in the in what we have been given from Sarah J Mass, the the death magic that these Illyrians all channel through their siphons comes from quote royal or lordly blood. Okay. So Cassian wouldn't be as powerful as he was if he was not a descendant of somebody in that bloodline. Now, in theory, it could be his mom, for sure. But it makes more sense to me that he's the bastard-born, maybe actual half-brother of Reese. I was just about to say that. What? If, wait, but what if... What about... As, wait, who's Asriel's father? 
So uh, he's not named, but he did live with his father and he was only let out once a week to see his mother. His mother was like a servant girl in his father's household. Okay. That makes a lot of sense for a lot of reasons that I'm trying to decide as I'm speaking if I can say out loud. Um, I don't know. <laughs> um, okay. Everybody, welcome to this journey with me. Um, possible spoiler warnings because I don't remember. So. Shock it off. Jill doesn't remember. No. So, again, spoiler warning. Here it is. Um, and I'm not just for Akatar, Silver Flame. I'm talking all SJM universe here. Okay. So let's say Cassian and Reese are half brothers. And he's Lord of Bloodshed. And Reese is the Shadows. Right? Or is He's that Azrael? Night incarnate. Night, okay. And then my, as the shadows. Okay, my brain is going to Crescent City book houses here. <laughs> okay. Oh, you mean the house of flame and shadow? Yes, okay, exactly. So this that's the confusing part to me. What is confusing? Nesta's the flame. Is Nesta the flame? <sighs> Why do you say that? Is, ne is, ne is Nesta the flame? Yes, because she's represented by flame on the in the paintings that Feyre does. That's her, that, like, Feyre has assigned her that. Is Nesta the only character in the Sarah J. Mass universe who represents flames? Who's represented by flames? I can't remember who else. Pharaoh? No. We have in Prithian, we have, or in Akatar, we have Vasa, who's the firebird. Okay. I mean, I, okay, I was not including Vasa, but okay. Okay. And then. If you have not read Throne of Glass, just don't listen to the next, like, 15 seconds of this pod. Okay, that's your warning. What is Selena slash Aelin's power? Fire. I mean, she's... Fi okay. Okay, but who else... Okay, yeah, I know, I get... Alright, I understand that, but, it, like, timeline-wise... Throne of Glass, Akatar, then Crescent City. Right? Maybe. Maybe. We don't know. We honestly don't know. See, I originally thought Akatar first and then Throne of Glass. But you were like, no, other way around. And I don't think I've gotten to the reason why yet. So don't tell me. Because I'm still oh, in Queen of Shadows. Oh, you've to the reason why. Did I? Okay. Do you want to know why I think Throne of Glass, if we're looking at this on a timeline, why Throne of Glass would come first? Yes. 
is because they talk about indoor plumbing being a luxury and it's a standard thing in Akatar. Literally, that's my reasoning. Okay. I didn't know that. Quite literally. I thought there was a timeline thing that happened. No. Okay. Hmm. But I could totally be wrong. You'll okay. So I'll probably have a totally different theory when you get to the end of Kingdom of Ash. Probably. Yeah. Okay. Hundred percent. So. But okay. What is bloodshed then? Like, what would that be in? Who is that in Crescent City? We don't know yet. Is that what you're saying? Or am I like totally missing something? Hunt. The Umber Mortis. Oh. I, he's an angel. So are the seraphim. <sighs> What's a seraphim? My brain is hurting. I don't remember. <laughs> seraphim is a type of angel, by the way. So Draken and Miriam. Uh-huh. Maybe angels. Okay. Do you want to know what where my brain went when he said seraphim? Hmm. Sister act? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm sitting here like that that song at the end, I'm not gonna say it because I can't sing. <laughs> also, it's a lot of Latin. Yep. Okay. Alright. Sorry. Okay. Let's okay. We digressed, as Sorry, we are everyone. want to do. Um, back to reality here. Uh, so, End of spoilers. End of spoilers. End, end of spoilers. It's only like two minutes of spoilers, guys. We can't, we can't promise we won't go there again. So Reese and Cassian are also talking about Nesta's potential powers and the potential of those powers. And Cassian's kind of in the camp where he's not 100% sure she still has them because technically the cauldron broke at the end of Aquawar. But Reese isn't super in that camp and tells him, hey, you got to like be on guard around her because she's kind of magically volatile. And yeah. it's pretty clear to me that Reese is kind of afraid. Of Nesta's powers. He's like, this is... Yeah. I don't know if... Maybe that's the phrasing I would have used, but I understand what you're saying. It's... I think it's the unknown. (sighs) Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And And she... And her lack of control. And her lack of, like, being communicative at all. Yeah. About her powers. Um, in comparison, like, Feyre was very open about, like, hey, I want to, like, learn about my powers and, like, being able to harness them and all that kind of stuff. And Ness is kind of, like, trying to avoid it and just shove it in a box. Shove it down. <laughs> Deep Trash down. compactor it. In the box. 
bury it. Yeah. Concrete. Exactly. Exactly. In the <laughs> exactly. Um, and then Reese gives Cassian a super fun new assignment of going and looking into what the mortal queens seem to be uh, doing. And uh, he's pretty confident they've been doing some kind of scheming since the whole shenanigans war with Hybern. Yeah. And then we get this moment where Cassian is just kind of thankful and happy for Reese and Feyre that they are so happy, but he kind of wishes he could have a mate or a partner of his own. And he talks about like, it's been a while since he had a girl. It's a little lonely. You mean it's been a while since he's gotten some ass? Well, I mean, that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But he, he, he would like some. Please well, and thank yeah. you. Well, I think he wants a relationship, but he definitely wants some ass. Uh, yes. So then Moore takes Cassian and Nesta off to the House of Wind. I can't wait. I love the House of Wind. <laughs> we do love the House of Wind. Um, so chapter four starts out the next day, and it's Cassian and Moore, and they're talking about her time in Valhallen, which is on the continent, and her attempt to make a treaty with the king. Uh, Moore was not successful, uh, because the human queens are already gathering again, and their army is still together, and they're all doing shit over there. So it's just a great time. Great time. Yeah, no. Uh, the king was like, I don't see why we'd want to have a peace treaty uh, if there's a chance that... Uh, that the army's mm-hmm. gonna come back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we could potentially win. And I'm like, you're not gonna win, but okay, good Good luck to you. Uh, more than asks Cassian to go visit Vasa, because she's a former queen she was outcasted by them and more is thinking that vasa might have some important information to share yeah so then nesta gets up and she starts thinking about her mom just real quick she's a firebird Uh by day yeah yeah i think we skipped over that part but just in case like in case in case you don't remember what the hell is going on with Vasa? She is a firebird that by day, <laughs> or human if you can't by night. Keep the name straight and just remember that someone turns into a firebird. That's how that I person remember. is Vasa. Yep, mm-hmm. that's me. Mm-hmm. So Nesta gets up and she starts thinking about their mother, and this is like aside from a one-off statement from Tamlin and Favor telling us all that their mother died when she was like five. The only information we have about mama Archer on. And it's not great. Yeah. <laughs> she talks about how the mom wanted Elaine to marry for beauty and love, but she wanted Nesta to marry for social climbing. But isn't that how it was? Like in like from, Victorian times. Yeah. Sure. But like, this so gives me Game of Thrones, Pride and Prejudice vibes here. Like, th- that's the bit. eldest daughter's job. 
Like, yeah. as shitty as it is, hello, Elizabeth Bennet. I mean, come on. Yeah. That's your job. Anywho. It sucks, but it's your job. It sucks. So the next day, Cassian is trying to get Nesta to eat some breakfast. He's like, hey, we're going to go train. You need some carbs. You need some protein. You need some food in that belly to fuel you. And she's like, fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> she's in a great place. And Cassian is just annoyed with her. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair. Um, and he gets be. pissed and he's like, not eating won't bring your dad back. And I'm like, oh my God, Cassian, please, please don't say stupid things right now. That is not helping. That wasn't a stupid and thing. That was a poke. That was a Yeah. Fuck, that was like, a let's fuck not you poke back. the bear. Yeah. Let's not poke the bear. Yeah. Um, but that just pisses him, her off more and she curses him out and then he leaves. And once he leaves, then she eats. Because Nesta is a petty bitch. Oh, yeah. Petty petty, bitch. Petty bitch. So they go out to the Illyrian camp, and Nesta is stubborn as fuck and refuses to to train. She sits her little ass on a rock and refuses to move for, like, the entire two hours that they're out there. Essentially making Cassian look like a giant pussy in front of the annoying Illyrian leaders. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So then they go back to the House of Wind and she does her first shift in the library and she has been tasked with reshelving books. So she does that for five hours and then goes back to the House of Wind, but she never crosses paths again with Cassian. Um, I think we might know why when we go into chapter seven. So it is the next day and Moore has taken Cassian to the human lands where Jurian, Vasa, and Lucian live. P.S. It's the Archeron compound. Little Archeron Manor. And... They get there, and Eris is also there. Eris is Baron's son. He's the heir to the Autumn Court, just in case anyone has forgotten who Eris is. So Eris then tells Cassian that several dozen of his soldiers have gone missing, and he has these, like, bloodhounds, and they've been trying to find them, but they keep picking up a strange scent that was human, but not human. Yeah, this, like, set my spidey senses tangling when I read it. Something's like, going on. Mm-hmm. This is important. Mm-hmm. So then Cassian asks Vasa about the human queens, and she tells him that there are rumors that are stirring across the sea that they plan to start trouble, and their leader, Fry Allen, who is officially named, she was the human queen who... Um, was turned old by the cauldron after Elaine and Nesta went through and Nesta took a little something something. Um, she uh, is the one who uh, also kicked Vasa out of being human queens. She's the bitch. She's the bitch. She is real pissed at Nesta because mm-hmm. she blames Nesta for what happened to her when she went into the cauldron. 
I mean, it's kind of her own fucking fault. Yeah, like maybe don't make a deal with a psychopath for yeah. permanent use. Exactly. To go into a mystical object you don't really understand. Exactly. Like, I couldn't have put it better myself. <laughs> However, like, uh, it probably would have worked if Nesta hadn't taken something from the cauldron. But she doesn't know that. You don't know that. You don't know that. You can't only... This is not Schrodinger's cauldron. This is... A fantasy novel. We're gonna, we're gonna do the things. Anyways, so... They rightfully deduce that Bray Allen definitely has the motive. Um, and even though she doesn't have the ability to win out alone, it's more than likely Kochi, the sorcerer who imprisoned Bassa, is somehow involved in aiding Bray Allen. So just for a reminder to everyone, Kochi is super fun. He is the older brother to the bone carver and the weaver. He's rumored to be deathless. So a very different kind of immortality. So not like the Fae or how Amran were immortal, like very different. Um, but through some kind of ancient spell, he is confined to a lake and everyone is liking that plan. We like him sticking by the lake. We're on board with this. It's a great plan. Great plan. <laughs> Don't think it's going to stick, but it's a great plan for now. Yeah, for now. You know what? You know what this whole Kochi Vasa situation gives me? What? Swan Lake vibes. Like the Swan Princess. I'm so not familiar with that story. Oh, so it's I a princess. I'm going to give you Reader's Digest. Princess gets cursed by a warlock. She turns into a swan by day, human by night, and she has to live near this lake. Sound familiar? Oh, yeah. Okay. I thought you were talking about Black Swan, the movie. No. I was going to say. I just no. watched that the other night, and I fell asleep. <laughs> That's not a raving review. <laughs> I, it's not, well, it's weird because I like both Mila Kunis and Natalie Portman. Mm -hmm. But I cannot get into this movie. I don't know why. It's okay. Anyway. It's okay. Anyways. So, Eris then tells Cassian that Baron has actually already aligned with Bright Allen. Okay. And his soldiers were sent to her. And they came back and they weren't right. When they came back, there was something off about these guys. <laughs> you have a sneaking suspicion of what this is. So do I. But that is here nor there. So then Eris tells Cassian, like, hey, keep this on the DL. Uh, because it will lead right back to me if anyone knows. Yeah. They have that, like, Which, very fair. fine line to walk with Eris. They cannot... Mm -hmm. Fuck it up because they need it's the info coming in. Mm -hmm. So they have to be very careful not to burn the asset. Yeah, but it's also like very covert ops here. Getting very, very, very covert ops. Mm -hmm. So it takes us into chapter eight, and we're back with Nesta, and she 
doesn't love the House of of Wind right now because it doesn't give her any wine. And I'm like, same. Yeah, the uh, the house said no. No. Can you have some smutty books? Yes. Yes. Can you have wine? No. No. So there's a rule that we forgot to mention with this whole, you have to live at the House of Wind. The House of Wind is up on top of this mountain. And the only convenient way to get there is to winnow or to fly in. But there are 10,000 steps that you can take to to get back down to Valaris, to the city. I forgot so about the steps. her options in life are to have someone, because Nesta can't winnow, Nesta can't fly, but she can walk down and then back up 10,000 steps. And if she does, she can just do whatever she wants. She has no money, but like she can do whatever she wants if she can get to the city. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So her first attempt, she only makes it down 80 steps. She's like, bet. <laughs> 80 mm-hmm. steps. Nope. <laughs> Not very far, to be honest. Uh, and then she gets back to the top, and Cassie is there. Like, what you doing? So he's back from his meeting with Lucian and the others. And he's also uh, been given a new order from Reese, which is keep an eye on fucking Eris. I'm sure that is his favorite thing because they all love Eris so much right now. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Really want to kill him. So the next morning, Nesta eats really fast before Cassian can come in. Um, But as she's leaving, Cassian and Az come in. So, you know... They're not alone up there. They also have the chaperone known as Azriel. I kind of feel bad for Azriel through most of this book. Oh, yeah. Like, in the beginning, it's okay. And then poor Az. Poor Az. Poor Az. Poor Az. So they go back to the Illyrian camp. And again, Nestor refuses to train and just sits on this freaking rock. So Cassian gets really annoyed with her and sends her into the cabin. Not the cabin that Feyre painted, but the little like tiny cabin that Reese and his mom lived in when he was going through Illyrian training warrior school and he starts a fire for her but then this is where we get like the very explicit explanation that the crackling of fire reminds Nesta of the sound of her father's neck breaking, snapping when when Hyburn, the king of Hyburn, killed him. Yeah, that Which... was real sad when we read it. Uh-huh. Um, also kind of obvious. I don't know why ne- like Cassian didn't pick up on it way sooner. Yeah, I think, you know, it's an, well, it might seem like an obvious trigger, but at the same time, like, I feel like the things that I would think are obvious triggers for certain people aren't. So that's fair. It's, it's very unique what triggers someone's. And I think on top of being depressed and having like next to no self-worth, she also has a lot of PTSD from that final battle. Maybe that was it. The PTSD was glaringly obvious to me. And mm-hmm. I don't know if that's because of like 
the population that you and I used to work with and be around Mm. a lot and just like you just learn about it and you know the signs. I don't know if that's what it was, but to me, it was very obvious that like Nesta was in a bad way. And I think that they knew she was in a bad way, but I think a lot of them thought that she was just being an asshole. Like, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of them really, I think that was one of the other things that I identified with her is that a lot of them really just did not understand like what was going on internally. And you see that as the reader, but like even Cassian who loves her, doesn't understand or see what is going on inside. And I think that understanding grows, but here he's like, you're just a fucking piece of shit. (laughs) He's angry. Yeah. He's frustrated. And I will kind of reiterate what I said during frost and starlight, which is Nesta has every reason to feel as deeply and as fiercely as she does. And she has every right to feel this much pain and this much hurt. She doesn't have the right to be lashing out at people the way that she is. And I think it takes Cassian a minute to kind of get through that shield and that veneer of defensiveness for him to start seeing the signs a little bit. But Cassian is also one of the few who makes the effort to get through the shield, to get through and see what is actually going on beneath this hard steel iron exterior. Oh yeah. So you're absolutely correct. Yeah. Yeah. Right now he is like pissed off, rightfully so, but you're a thousand percent correct. He's really the only one out of the, out of the core group, not like Mm -hmm. others that we're going to meet along the way, but yeah, we're going to meet some here real soon. I know. So Cassian, uh, then walks Nesta through some of the shops nearby the village and she meets Emery and it is uh, Emery. We did meet in the Frost and Starlight book, and she owns a clothing shop, and she inherited it from her father. And she and Nesta talk about how she needs warmer training leathers, uh, but Nesta doesn't have any money, so she can't buy them. And em- Emery's like, Sh- she'll look into getting some in her size, though. I I love Emery. <laughs> I like her a lot, too. I love Emery. And so Nesta then goes back to working in the library. And she's working, while she's working, a bowl of, like, soup appears. And she tells the house that she's not hungry. (laughs) Because the house is just magicking up some food. And Gwen overhears her. And she's like, who the hell are you talking to? (laughs) So who's Gwen? We're going to we're going to travel back in time to a very quick moment in A Court of Mist and Fury. And Gwen is actually a priestess, a la Ianthe, but like that is literally the only thing she has in common with fucking Ianthe. 
still hate her. Anyways, um, <laughs> and she is the priestess who Asriel rescued back in Akamath. And she has been living and working in the library ever since. Um, and she and Nesta kind of have this little bicker moment. Um, and then they eventually uh, go their separate ways. Yeah. I thought it was like, they're going to be friends. <laughs> yeah, they're going to be They're going to be Gwen friends. When is re- willing to be the friend that like pops and be like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> Stop being weird. Stop being weird. Oh my God. So then Nesta goes back up to the house and she goes to bed. And when the house tries to start a fire, she's like, no fire. No, because she keeps having nightmares because of this sound. And it's just like so heartbreaking. She has so much PTSD, this poor girl. Um, And then she's restless in the night. So she makes another attempt at the stairs. uh, But she gets hit with a bout of nausea because girl is out of shape. And she's not like eating as much as she probably should and she's trying to exercise and yeah it's a bad combo yeah but she's trying to go she goes to turn to go back up and she actually slips and falls and sparks come out as her hand uh and she tries to like grab on and her fingernails make like marks in the stone and it kind of like freaks her out because she's really uncomfortable anytime her power comes through Mm mm-hmm so then we go back to the camp and she continues to refuse to fucking train. And I was getting very annoyed with Nesta at this point. I'm like, can just I, do it. Can I, like, I genuinely, I was like, it wasn't, I, I to me, it was kind of starting to be clearer the longer this went on that she was uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's not just a... I'm not training thing mm-hmm. to me. So yeah. Day one, I'm just being a petulant child. Day two, maybe still a little petulant child. Maybe, but like that is me starting to think like maybe something deeper. Day three, something else is going on here and we need to figure it out. Yeah. Still annoying though. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> She, I think you were more laughing at my facial expression than what I said. Because <laughs> I gave some major bombastic side eye on that one. Just a little bit. So <laughs> we go back to the library, but the door won't open. So she's forced to go hang out with Azrael and Cassian. Thanks. I'm um, I'm gonna make the call to the House of Wind, being like, no, you need to go hang out with them. Yep, you need to like them. Uh, unsurprisingly, uh, Cassie and Nesta argue, and Cassian does say some pretty not nice things about her and her lack of training. Um, and he leaves. He like storms off in a fit of frustration, and he goes for a walk with Feyre. And during that conversation, he gets some insights on Nesta and what might actually be going on. 
Can I also just say I love Cassian and Feyre's friendship? Like, they seem like very genuine friends. Yeah. You can tell that they care about each other. Mm-hmm. In a friend way only. Oh, yeah. It's super platonic. Mm-hmm. Super, super platonic. So the next day, instead of taking Nesta to the Illyrian camp, Cassian actually takes her to the roof of the house and tells her that they can train there in private. And he has, as I wrote, correctly deduced that the thing that was keeping Nesta from training all of this time was her own damn pride. And yep. she didn't want to look like a fool and embarrass herself in front of other people. Correct. Honestly, Duh. same. Yeah. No, I was like, uh, I would a thousand percent feel that way. I'd probably do it anyway. Because mm-hmm. I'm a bit more of a chicken than Nesta is. She's a, a lot more stubborn than I am. I probably would have done it, but I probably would have cried and felt awkward. <laughs> oh, so. same. I would have cried. And I wouldn't want to go. I probably, you probably wouldn't have, like, unless he physically picked me up and took me out of the house and went, I wouldn't have even gone. I would go because I'd probably secretly want to train. Like, I would secretly want to train. Mm-hmm. I kind of think she does a little bit. Oh, I think she, I think she wants to spend time with Cassian. <laughs> I don't think she wants to secretly train yet i think I she, this all feels very forced on her so she's not super on board with it but she's like if i'm gonna do it can i at least do it in private where i'm not gonna embarrass myself yeah yes i th- agree I think she grows to like it she does grow to like it but i think the i can also see her being the type of girl who this would appeal to as well mm-hmm. like it's not like elaine like, mm-hmm. it's not like you're trying to get a lane out there to go train. It's different. It, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say or express. Yeah. I I hear you. Like, she's somebody who could thrive in, like, some... She's the person that I would put into, like, kickboxing. Yeah. And Elaine I would put into yoga. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. you gotta find the right physical activity for you. Like... This is, again, kind of where I identify with Nesta. If I'm, like, really stressed out, I go to the batting cages. I love batting cages. They're so fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I go to the batting cages. I don't go to batting cages, but this past year, I've started working out more. One of the things, like, the overall goal was just to be healthier but mm-hmm. genuinely, I sleep better when I work out. I am like, I have a lot less stress and um, like physical energy. Like days that I am super anxious, I'm like, I have to, I have to go get expelled. Mm-hmm. Like I have to have some kind of like physical act to get it out. Otherwise, mm-hmm. like it just builds up in my body. So I totally get it. And I'm like this is going to be great for her. <laughs> oh, yeah. The, the physical activity, like exercise, is great for your mental health. Oh, yeah. Great. So I'm so glad that she finally gets out of her own way. 
she's not super into it, but he makes Cassie makes a bargain with her that if he train if she trains with him, he'll owe her a favor. And she agrees. And they both um get matching tattoos down their backs for this bargain because it's a thing about the night court when you make a bargain you get a and tattoo. I think this is still not a great bargain like in the world of bargains some of them have been good some of them this this is not great this is way too open-ended Cassian but he's gonna do what he can what he can to get her to to participate and so they start very basic with some stretching and breathing exercises because girl doesn't know anything Listen, don't knock it. No. Because, oh my God, if you don't start with the basics, it's like it, it, it's the foundation to everything. It sounds so dumb. It really does. But you, you have to start there. You have mm-hmm. to start there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so then after training, Nesta goes back down to the library, but she is struggling to reach a book because her legs are sore. Been (laughs) there. Been there. Been there. (laughs) And she gets interrupted again by Gwen. And she, Gwen is like in near panic mode because she pulled the wrong book for Meryl. Meryl's a new character that we're meeting as well. She is another priestess, and she's researching something here in the library. And she's like, Meryl's going to kill me. Can you help me? So she teams up with Nesta, and through some trickery, homolo nonsense, they switch the right volume in into Meryl's office while Gwen distracts her. <laughs> and I think a friendship was forged in that moment. Oh, Yeah. Oh, I also yeah. love Gwen. I like I her too. Gwen. Um, so it is the next day at training, and Cassian and Nesta have their first conversation about Highburn and a little bit about Nesta's mom and what happened to the priestesses in Sangrava, which is where Gwen was. So we kind of already know notice. Like we understand what happened, but it is a big thing for Nesta to learn. Yeah, that had a big impact on her, for sure. Mm-hmm. So for those listeners who don't maybe remember this from, I think we talked about it in Akawar. Well, so Akamath, what happened at this temple is that Hybern's armies went in and they needed a, the feet for the cauldron. And one of them was being held or kept safe at this temple. And they went in and they killed and raped everyone. And Ness, or excuse me, Gwen hid in the kitchen. And she was assaulted, but she lived. Um, and Didn't they, when like, Ka- disfig- disfigure them too? Like, no. Okay. No, no, no. That's that? a different series. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um and so when Cassian and Azrael got there, Azrael was like Cassian went to look for people and Azrael went they went separate ways and Azrael is who found Gwen who was mm-hmm. not in great shape and brought her back to the library. 
the library we learned in, I believe it was Akawar, that Brees established it as this safe haven for women, females, however you want to say it, who have suffered violence, physical, sexual, whatever it may be, for them to come and feel safe. And they have complete control. They can have a complete autonomy of this library. They get to say yes or no to who comes in. Um, the only person or like the only two people who have like essentially free reign to the library are Feyre and Reese uh, as High Lord and High Lady. And I think the person you're thinking of is Clotho, who is sort of the head librarian there yes. in the library. And she was assaulted and they disfigured her dominant hand so she could not write down the name of her assailants. And they also cut out her tongue so she could never speak tell anyone correct yes that's that's who i was thinking of um yeah i loved that he did that but i also loved Mm -hmm. the fact that cassian and asriel were are so respectful of the library and very like they don't go there no like they don't because it's not really a place that men are super welcome right there's a lot like I, I think the library is great, but also makes me kind of sad because these women don't leave. They don't go outside. But I also do what it takes to feel safe. I think therapy would be great. Maybe Fairy could bring her art therapy to the ladies of the library. Well, I mean, I think we have things to come. Yes, but I'm just making the point that I really want Prithian to have, like, any therapy. But I think they do. Just, like, everybody... Listen, it's no not... No goes! It's not official therapy. People find their therapy. Like, they do. And I... It's... It's not as... It's not formal like I think you would like it to be. But I think people are finding it. All the characters. Maybe not all. Like, we're getting there. A lot of them mm-hmm. are finding their therapy. So. Yeah. And so then Nesta goes back down to the library to finish her, you know, work day. And then Cassian leaves to go to the spring court with Reese to meet up with Eris. And the three of them, <laughs> I have to mention this because it's not in the notes, but I always find it so funny. Um, Cat, oh, it is in the notes. It's just deeper down. Uh, Cassian has terrible allergies the moment he steps foot in the spring court, and I just think it's so it's funny. Such a he's like hilarious detail. Like <laughs> he's like, I hate it here. I have so many allergies. So Was- we know that Cassian is never going to take over the spring court. No, as someone with allergies, that's hilarious. Because it's really funny. Yeah, true. Because there's like too much pollen. (laughs) There's definitely times where I have like stepped into people's houses and you're just like, oh god, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. Yeah, John does that to me. He'll get like some new like scent thing for the house and he'll plug it in, and I'll walk in and be like, nope, Mm -mm. (laughs) I can't do this. Do you want to hear a funny story? When I was a kid, 
so I was allergic to a lot of stuff, but we have these outlets near our house and there was this home goods store and it had a bowl of perfumed, like pressed soaps. Okay. I live near a beach. So there was like, they were like seashells and starfish and, you know, cute little things. I stuck my face in the bowl. And like just took a big old whiff and then broke out in hives. <laughs> I it was so bad. It's like I would. It's not. I'm not nearly as sensitive now as I was as a kid. Good lord, I couldn't go anywhere without breaking out into hives. Like you know that like kids makeup and stuff that you like put on your face. Oh, hives instantly. It was so bad. <laughs> I'm so glad I was not. My skin was not that sensitive. I was not allergic to much of anything as a child. So I'm good now. I'm better. I've built up. I've built up immunity. Yeah. No. One of these days, I'm gonna go into anaphylactic shock. <laughs> Please don't. I kind of like you. <laughs> I think I was close. The last like allergic reaction I had. Uh. That was like real bad when I had to go to the emergency room and get steroids because it was wine. It was red wine. It's mm. a shame because it's still my. I I still drink it. I still drink that wine. It's so you good. You gotta put like, the little like tannin drops in. Maybe. Anyway, sorry. Anyway, as we digress yet again literally at the end of the episode sorry <laughs> um so the three of them are talking about baron and the probability of war with the moral queens and reese is like extra uncomfortable and uptight during this whole convo but he is not telling cassie and why yeah i was just like he loves to keep that check close to the vest he does. He doesn't like to show all of his cards, which I appreciate. That's how you play 4D chess while everyone's playing checkers. I get it. But As a reader, it's very annoying. Because <laughs> I want to know what's happening. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? What? What are you orchestrating? I, I knew something was going yeah. on. I was like, something is up. Why isn't Reese telling us? I don't understand. We find out. Yeah in not that much time but we find out so then they go back to we f you know flash back to the house of wind and nesta actually tries the stairs again but this is more determination now instead of attempting to flee and this time she makes it to step 150 yeah this before is having a, to head back up this is a and silent goal for herself <laughs> yeah uh the house is kind of proud of her and makes her a bubble bath when she I gets love back the house. to her room. I love, I love the love house. That. It's my favorite character, like second favorite character in this book. Like behind Nesta. Behind Nesta. <laughs> Truly. Because it's so, it's got its it's got to It's got its own personality. Thank you. Um, you uh, words are hard. Words are hard. <laughs> I said that today to a coworker. That's a Melissa <laughs> phrase that I have now picked up. I have a few phrases. Words are hard is whenever I can't seem to spit out what my brain is telling me to say. 
And then there is a bit money can solve this. I stole from my dad, to be fair. If money can solve the problem, it's not really a problem. You just don't have enough money. You just don't have enough money. Or that's a purchasable item. I haven't heard you say that one. I say it to John all the time. He's like, da 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 da. I was like, well, that's a purchasable item. We can just buy that thing and then that solves that problem. I like to say that's a purchasable service. I don't think Mark agrees a lot of that. <laughs> Fair. Fair, fair. Anyways, that is where we're going to pause in Silver Flame currently. We're going to leave you right before jumping into chapter 15, but that got us like halfway through the first uh, part of part one of, of part one of novice. So I feel like that was a pretty good, uh, pretty good pace. Uh, any final thoughts before we do our closeout? No, I just, I just love this book. I love this book. We're going to get emotional so a lot about it. I can here. already tell. I'm so I glad. Know. Like, I <laughs> have been waiting for this. I have been waiting for this. It's, I'm excited. I'm also, ugh, those were words, sure. <laughs> I'm also emotionally prepared for this to be like six to seven parts because we're going to dive real deep. Yeah. Into in, guys. the feels. Enjoy yeah. it. Enjoy it with us. I, maybe I can convince Melissa to sprinkle in a, a, a not heavy movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're going to do not a heavy movie for sure. Um, it's just picking which one. There's too many good options. I know. But, you know, as you were talking about the Mary Kay Letourneau inspired one, I was like, oh, that's kind of a heavy topic. Mm hmm. So I don't know if that's where we want to go. We'll see. I can like my life exists in consuming heavy stuff, so I, it doesn't know, but really bother me. No, mine too. But like, I could like do crime. I don't know. We'll see. I think it's supposed to be like mildly funny anyway. Like it's supposed no no no. Okay, I thought it was like a satirical. No, the premise is it is like a Mary Kay Letourneau like woman and her now husband who right. was a child. And then the actress who is going to be playing her in a movie goes and stays with her to learn more about her to be able to portray her better. Right. But that's what I'm Nothing. saying. I thought that that was the sit the satirical part but maybe i'm like no okay sorry <laughs> you're good but yeah that was the first part of silver flame um thank you all so much for listening if you want to check out what is coming up next on the pod be sure to go follow us over on instagram it's mel and Jill geek out if you have a suggestion of what we should geek out about next, you should shoot us an email over at jillandmelgeekout at gmail.com. Um, and yeah, thank you all again so much for listening. My name is Mel. I'm Jill. And this has been Mel and Jill Geek Out. Bye. Bye.